Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dan Ram about adaptability quotient, the new superpower. Dan Ram, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. John, thank you for having me. Yeah, it is a pleasure to be with you. You are joining us. I believe you're in Europe right now, aren't you? I'm currently in Poznan, Poland, my first time here in this beautiful city. I'm here to host two major events, given especially uh, the situation across the border in Ukraine. It's actually part of the reason why I'm here. Yeah, well, that's that's wonderful. So you're joining us from Poland today, but I know you'll be making your way around much of Europe over the coming weeks and months. Uh, I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. Today, we're going to be talking about adaptability quotient, and you frame this up as the new workplace superpower. So I, I think that's a really fun uh, way of thinking about it, and we're going to unpack that and talk about what that really means and how it can be utilized in the workplace, among leaders, and teams. As we get started, I wanted to share Dan's bio with everybody. Dan Ram travels the globe as an event MC and speaker at over 100 events a year, hosting changemakers like President Barack Obama, billionaire founders like Sir Richard Branson and Reid Hoffman, F1 champion Nico Roseberg, Grammy-winning artists and celebrities, and he works on four continents from college campuses to parliaments to in-house corporate invitation days for Fortune 500 companies to the biggest tech conferences in the world. His passion is to inspire people with his motto, start now, start simple, in building a future we all want to live in. I think that's beautiful. That's fantastic. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in further? I think the only thing that really matters in all of this stuff is I feel so grateful that I get to do what makes me truly come alive. And I have committed to use that platform, use that position to hopefully inspire others to live lives worth living. We get this one shot on this planet and uh, there's nothing that excites me more than seeing people fulfilled in what they do. So yes, I'm grateful to get to be me. But as for the purpose of this podcast, I'm actually less interested in sharing about me and more interested in how people could use what little learnings, failures uh, I have had to hopefully inspire them on their own journey. 
Yeah, well, excellent. And maybe uh, you're not going to like my first question then, but I'm actually curious because you have such a unique background. You're the son of an Indian uh-huh. diplomat. You grew up in 10 different countries on four continents. Um, yeah. So if you'll humor me for just a minute to to share just a little bit more about your background um, in that kind of a, uh, an upbringing with that kind of an international sure. uh, level of experience and intercultural experience, what were some of the the pros and cons of that? Uh, what what did you take away from that? How has that informed your approach now as an adult in, in your work? So for anyone who's listening and is not familiar with the diplomatic career, um, essentially what happens is you get posted every two to three years to a new country in order to represent your nation. Now, this is the world before Instagram or Pinterest or even Google, to be honest. So you couldn't just look up a country, uh, let alone carry your personal brand from place to place. And essentially, I reinvented myself in every country. I even changed my name in every country because you started with a clean slate. So my first name is actually Joe. And I started my life being called Joe. At some point, it was called Danny. At some point, it was called JD. Dan is my middle name or Daniel, rather. And I think around 15, when I was living in Zimbabwe, is when this version of me emerged. Um, Like everyone who is listening, we're complex human beings. Uh, We're not just one version of ourselves. I think we keep evolving. We keep growing. I just had the chance of experiencing that in an accelerated fashion. So I might be a nerdy, introverted, shy kid with no friends in one country. In the next country, I go, you know what? I'm going to try to make a different friend circle and see if maybe there's another side to me. And I realize, actually, I'm kind of funny. I'm not the loud, funny guy, but I'm the, I'm the quiet, funny guy. And then the next country, I go, go, you know what? The last country, no one gave me a chance on the sports teams. But this one, I'm going to see if I can do that and just keep discovering parts that work and parts that don't work. I think everybody deserves that chance. We don't always get that. Um, as being a diplomat's kid, I got that all the time. So yeah, I grew up in 10 countries, four continents by the time I was 18. I went to college in the US. So for anyone who's listening to me and they're going, that guy's got an American accent. I'm not American. I've got an Indian passport, born in UAE. Um, I have the great joy of growing up in Africa and Europe and the Middle East, parts of Asia, and eventually four years at Yale in the US. And that's actually the only time I've lived in the US. So that's a little bit of my upbringing. You asked about the pros and cons, but before I go into that, you mentioned Utah. John, did you grow up your whole life in Utah? Did you move around within the US? I did, and I did move around in the US. Uh, I grew up mostly in Ohio, Oregon, and Missouri. So uh, West Coast, uh, Midwest, uh, ended out in Utah uh, for my education, and then and then I ended up here. You know, I'm a university professor and do consulting work, and I've I've just been here for the last 20 years. Um, but like, well, I, I say like you, but you've traveled way more than I have. Um, but I have traveled quite a bit and uh, and worked in in other countries in Europe and Asia, uh, and I've really valued that time. Uh, it's it's a wonderful opportunity to just see the world through different lenses and to experience difference and to see other people uh, and how they live. Yeah, you nailed it. So as far as the pros, to answer your question about that kind of lifestyle. Um, and upbringing, like you said, it's about perspective, it's about experiences, it's about discovering differences, it's about exploration. These are powerful, these are beautiful things to have. But unlike tourism, when you are transplanted and moved from place to place, especially at a young age, it does come with a lot of challenges. You know, there's constant sense of loneliness, there's a real 
uh, struggle with understanding identity, especially when it comes to your nationality or trying to connect it with a geographic space that doesn't really work. So, you know, saying goodbye to friends, starting from scratch every time, literally from, hi, my name is Dan. You know, it's not like they could just look up my uh, TikTok or Instagram profile and figure out who I was. It really start from zero. Um, I will say, though, that the greatest gift my parents gave me is teaching me how to adapt. And I'm biased in this conversation, John, because I'm actually just started a PhD a few months ago on this topic of AQ. And I'm really excited about this topic because so much of why I have not just survived the pandemic, but literally thrived, like I have grown significantly. It's not because the pandemic did not affect me. It's not because it did not strip and take away everything from me. It's just because I adapted and evolved. And I think over time, we see this with companies. We see this with uh, communities. And we certainly see with these individuals. I actually think it's not anymore about IQ or EQ, and those are really valuable. I think it's actually about AQ these days. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And you, you shared something a few minutes ago as you're talking about moving from place to place and reinventing yourself. Yeah. And you know, certainly that's got to be challenging. I can't even imagine uh, having moved some during my childhood, but just to different states, you know, across the country, that was hard enough. And I, you know, I didn't go to entirely different countries with different, uh, entirely different cultures. Um, And so that's challenging, but that, that aspect of being able to reinvent yourself and having that opportunity, um, that is a rather unique experience uh, because many people end up finding themselves locked in to other people's expectations um, and just you, you live out this performative, normative kind of life uh, based on past experience. And, and, you know, while we may not have that opportunity to completely start over fresh and disrupt everything about our lives every so often, you know, I, I think there's a lesson there. Like maybe we need to try um, to take a step back and to, to reevaluate and to not just accept things because it's the way we've always done them or the way other people say we should have been doing them or whatever. And it's okay for us to reinvent ourselves. It's okay for us to continually be learning. We should be learning. We should be growing. We should be changing over time. If I'm the same person now as I was 20 years ago, there's probably yeah. something wrong, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Uh, there's a thought that just came by my mind as you were saying that, you know, what is a midlife crisis? or any sort of life crisis, except for maybe a sense of uh, confusion or disappointment uh, or betrayal or some of these emotions because you are in a place that you don't desire to be. Now, what happens when that place keeps changing all the time? I don't think you then have a choice to sit in that. Now, for a season, you may be in a place you don't enjoy, but when that changes, so does that season. Um, So whether... It's a midlife crisis was just a thought that came to mind because I've never had sort of a midlife crisis. I've also never really struggled with feeling stagnant. Um, In fact, I'm kind of holding on to anything that may feel familiar uh, or consistent. Uh, So I don't have those feelings just because the environment keeps changing. Now, a lot of that is my own choice. Um, I've chosen a career that involves traveling. I don't have to host events in different countries. I can just do it in one country. But there is a sort of energy and excitement and learning from the cross-pollination of being in different cultures, countries, communities. And I love that. I thrive off of that. And that's not for everybody, but it certainly is for me. Some of that is choice. But let's be honest, a lot of it, you know, when you look at the pace at which technology is evolving and therefore forcing us to evolve, when you look at systems and processes, um, 
I was in this tiny little shop selling Georgian food, very, very cheap, basic food uh, by a very sweet couple. And here in Poland, in Eastern Europe, in this really small family-owned shop, um, they don't take cash. They only take uh, mobile payments. And I love that. Now, I usually live in Germany, probably one of the stronger economies in Europe. And there, if I pay with anything except cash, they're confused. And you can see how neighboring countries have such differing systems just with something like payment. So everything's constantly changing. And then you throw in things like a pandemic, you throw in things like a war, you throw in political conflict that is wrecking all our lives and having impact. We're all forced to be in, in a place of change. And so to me, it's not about resisting change. It's not about fighting change. It's not about escaping change. It's actually about learning not simply how to cope, but how to do it well. Because I think change is opportunity for growth, yeah. for development, for discovery. Um, yeah. Have you, have you ever had a moment in your life that you, you felt like uh, you had a good thing going or a bad thing going, but there was an inflection point <laughs> and, and it forced you to change. And now when you look at it, you go like, actually, that was for my good. Because I discover things, I learn things. I would not be where I'm today without that inflection point. Have you had that kind of moment? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I actually think about inflection points in my life often. Um, and and there are a handful that I can point to as very transformative inflection points for me. Um, yeah. And like you said, some of them at the time were perceived as good. Some of them at the time were perceived as bad. Uh, but in every instance, uh, I had an opportunity to become who I am. Right. And, and so I really appreciate that. I'm grateful for, for those opportunities. And even amidst the disappointment, you know, something didn't work out the way I thought I really wanted it to. Um, and then, you know, five, 10 years later, I look back and I look at the path I ended up going and I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad that didn't work out because who knows where I would be. And I'm so happy doing what I'm doing. Um, so th those types of things, absolutely. I think we all have them. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very worthwhile uh, exercise to self-reflect and to, to think back on those things and, and to have some, some gratitude and appreciation for them. Check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen Organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, the future leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill 
for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Absolutely. And I think in those inflection points, you have a couple choices, you know, and these are choices everyone's familiar with. Either you go, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. I know that's a phrase that many people played in their head at the start of the pandemic two, three years ago. You know, I can't wait for it to be back to normal. I can't wait for a return to what I'm familiar with. That's a very strong feeling and an inflection point. And you may even make some steps in that direction to go back to what is known, to what is comfortable. Or you can have this moment of thinking there's a world out there and there's other things out there. And I wonder if it's possible. Uh, and I bet I can. And then there's the entire spectrum in between those feelings, right? And everybody sits somewhere on that. What I want to explore over the next couple of years with, with my study on AQ is um, how measurable is that? You know, just like we can measure IQ and EQ, we can measure leadership skills and personality traits. Could I measure someone's adaptability quotient and see how they would respond to those moments, those pivots, those inflection points? Because to me, those are make or break moments. Now, going back to normal is not always a bad thing, just, just to be clear about that. But those who are unable to move forward, those who are unable to press forward, those who are unable to even see a next or a future, that's that's trouble for them. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people have felt that, um, that they, it just felt like they lacked whatever personality uh, trait or resource or mindset to move forward. But this is still a very vague area. As yeah. What and I mean, what makes it? Yeah. It, it's a scary thing. Right. And, and we, as humans, uh, you know, it's, it's the, it's human nature that we like consistency, stability, or at least the perception of it. Uh, mm -hmm. We like things that are known. We like things that are similar, um, you know, all those things. And so when we talk about international travel and living abroad, for example, and experiencing difference, that's something I think you can really learn to love and appreciate and to recognize the value of. Um, but for some people, that's really, really hard, right? And so I, I think back to your childhood, and I, it seems like very natural extension of those experiences have led you to where you are today, someone who's yeah. very multicultural and adaptable and someone who's willing to lean into change and difference rather than to get scared by it or to retreat from it. Um, now, and I don't know the academic space around academic or excuse me, adaptability quotient. I don't really know anything about it. Um, but as you were talking about it a little bit, I was thinking about like entrepreneurial mindset or entrepreneur, entrepreneurial intention, some of those types of, um, of scales that, you know, at least are probably a piece of it uh, in yes. terms of someone's uh, interest and willingness in, in leaning into uncertainty and messiness and complexity. Why don't you unpack it a little bit more for us? What exactly, I mean, like you said, it's still an evolving um, yeah. concept and, and discipline, but tell us a little bit more about how you frame up adaptability quotient and why it's really important in the modern world of work in our careers. 
Well, let me make it really practical. Something that uh, hopefully people can feel as tangible. It's a real story. It's my story uh, at the start of the pandemic. So my career is I'm a professional event MC and moderator, which means that you need large crowds of people and you need to be able to travel to events. Guess what the pandemic did? It stopped large groups of people from traveling. And so my career was the first one to go down the drain. And I mean, like literally 50, 60 events in the books to then zero, like all straight up canceled, not like postponed indefinitely, like straight up canceled. And I don't have safety nets. I don't have any um, social security or government support, right? It's the joy of being a foreigner in another country is you don't usually get those benefits. And so I didn't have any other choice. I know everyone listening has felt at certain points in your life, those moments when you've had your back against the wall, whatever you know has been stripped away and you have no other choice but to create something new. I think this is one of those pieces of what makes for good adaptability is not having the comfort zone or the safety net. Because like you said, why would you opt out of it? Uh, in any natural situation, you want to stay in it. So I think this is part of it is there are some people where the environment does not really allow for a safety net, does not really allow for uh, certainty or comfort. And so maybe they have a higher AQ because of that. Second was my response to it. I was pretty quick to grieve and let it go. It's something I've learned my whole life moving from country to country. Let's go, okay, I love these friends. I got to let them go. I can't hold on to them. And I know for a lot of people, they just could not let go of what of the world they knew. And they wanted to come back to that. And again, I think another little piece of what makes for good AQ is to be able to process things quickly, emotionally process it and in every way process it, and then let it go. Um, grieve and just let it pass without holding on to it. This is another maybe piece to having higher AQ. And then comes your response to how to discover next. I didn't have a blueprint for what would work. So literally I went back to ground zero. I started looking at my uh, abilities, my gifts, my talents, my experiences, my resources. I started writing things down. And honestly, John, I tried a bunch of stuff. I love puzzles. And so I just started making puzzles. But guess what? You can't really make a career out of uh, finishing puzzles. But it was a whole lot of fun and I enjoyed it. Um, I love music and I play the piano. And I started teaching piano classes again. And it was okay, but um, it didn't give me the same kind of fulfillment as actually playing the piano versus teaching and playing the piano. But then I went back to what I knew, which was uh, events. I realized people still need to gather, but they're not going to gather physically. They're going to gather virtually. My clients are the big, big Fortune 50 companies, right? So you've got your Porsches and BMWs and airlines and banks and governments. And they had all this real estate and all these physical spaces. And they had no idea how to, to gather people online. So I started by just uh, keeping my eyes open, observing what other people are doing. I don't play video games, but uh, my friends who went back home and were unemployed started playing video games. So I started saying, okay, they're engaging online. Um, how do they do that? What's making them hook onto um, a platform for two, three hours and get lost in it? So started just watching and observing seeing how they do it and bringing some of those lessons into the event world. I started watching them bring those lessons over to the world of events. So quite accidentally, I started coaching and consulting companies in evolving from physical to online events. Then they needed me to still moderate except through a camera. So I had to relearn my craft, not to talk to two, three, four, five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand 10,000, 20,000 people, 
but to one stationary inanimate object with a lens and bring the same amount of energy and dialogue through a lens without being able to see people. But I did it and I learned it. And then I evolved with that, realized I could do multiple cameras and better microphones and start using green screen studios, not all at the same time, but step by step. So this is another piece of AQ is, can you see opportunity in crisis? Can you see, um, are you willing to at least try to step out in different directions? Some will fail, some will succeed. Are you, do you have it in you to try? So these are all little pieces. And then, I mean, long story short, you know, over the pandemic, my business actually tripled. Uh, I actually hired significant amounts. I think my staffing grew by five times during the pandemic. Not only did I reskill and retool and repurpose my own life, I got my whole team to do that. And so all of this is what adapting is about. It's very doable. And I don't think you need to be the son of a diplomat to learn these things. But if you resonate with yeah. any of those tips of, are you able to see your talents use in other ways, right? Sure, I might have a talent talking to 5,000 people in front of me, but those communication skills, surely I can still talk to a camera, right? I have to be willing to adapt, but I can still speak. So these are kind of the pieces that so far just kind of think, yeah, that's what AQ is about. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And if you had to give one actionable tip to anyone listening yeah. who, who may feel resistant or say, oh, I, I, I get it conceptually, but I really just like things the way they are. It, one tip for people to start to develop more AQ, what would it be? Well, it's my four words I tell to everyone in any situation, whether you're stuck in a rut, whether you're uh, trying to move forward, whether you're trying to accomplish a big goal or a dream. I think it's always about the power of a step. And so I say, start now, start simple. So whether it is learning to grow your AQ muscles or whether it is navigating out of a tight spot that you might be in right now, or whether it's just trying to be open to traveling to the first international country and putting away some of your fears of travel, wherever you are in that spectrum, it's all about start now and start simple. And the simple breakdown for that is the best moment is not next week or the year after or once you qualified or got certification or a degree or resource or money in the bank. It's right now. Right now is the best moment. So I would always ask anything you want to do. You want to lose weight? Great. Uh, not once you join the gym or once you get a personal trainer, but like right now, like right now, what could you do? You and I, John, could probably do 10 push-ups right now. And it is a baby step towards a fitness goal, but it's possible right now. Um, the second part to that is start simple. I think we often complicate things. And we think, well, I need to have the right clothes to work out. And what if I start sweating? Then I need to have, I need to go take a shower. And we overcomplicate things. So start now and start simple. So even with AQ, you know, if, um, if the different scares you, the idea of different, and it's just, you know, whether it's a different culture, different person or different mindset, um, here would be an example of a start now, start simple. There are news channels that, I probably don't resonate with and don't watch. A start now starts simple will be 15 minutes. Just watch 15 minutes of a different perspective to the same thing. I know there's some hot topics in the US right now. Um, 15 minutes of a different topic. Uh, sorry, a different perspective on the same topic. That's all it takes. But with that little bit, you're growing your AQ muscle. Can you uh, listen to it? Can you attempt to see it from there? position uh can you uh rationally 
uh, consider that point of view and build and form your own opinion from it. You don't have to be able to do all of those. Just start with, can you watch it without switching it off or getting upset or throwing something at the television, right? That, I mean, it's just a small example, but I think it's something that, you know, we all live in these little silos of, of thinking. And some, sometimes a lot of these things just start with mindset and just being willing to be a little bit more open-minded and open-hearted towards different things. So, that was, so that's what I would say, start now, start simple. I love it. Dan, this has just been a real pleasure. I know at the time I need to let you go, but before we close, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you and find out more about your work. Uh, and then if you have any final word, uh, and then we'll wrap up. Sure. I started the podcast by saying this, honestly, I'm grateful I get to live my life and I'm going to use everything I have to empower others. That is what I live for. So I actually have nothing to sell, nothing to give or nothing to promote except my time. Uh, to be able to support you. So if anything that I've said has resonated, if you're curious about it, if you're just curious about the lifestyle um, or you want to hear more about how you can grow your AQ, then come talk to me. Um, I am pretty searchable on Google. Just look up Dan, D-A-N, Ram, R-A-M. You'll find a whole bunch of social media platforms. You message me on any platform, you'll get a personal message back. Um, This is what I live for. So you won't get a bot or an assistant talking to you It'll be me, um, and uh, it'd be a delight to hear your story. It'd be uh, it'd be a joy to hear how I can maybe support you in the season that you're in. So yeah, please do reach out if I can support anyway. Just look up Dan Ram or IamDanRam.com or drop me an email to Dan at IamDanRam.com. But basically, just remember Dan Ram, Google it, and any version of that is me. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Dan. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Dan and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer than indigo leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think.
alchemy of truly remarkable leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.